Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Good morning or afternoon. Actually, it's good morning still. Um, my name is Kennard. I am your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. I apologize for coming on late. I had a hard week. So um, I'm starting 11.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time today. Uh, I have a caller uh, that wants to speak to me. I'll go ahead and uh, let you speak. I'm pressing the button here. Here we go. You're on the air? Well, I was just interested in the topic. The oh, of okay. The All right, so um, do you want to say anything? or? No. I oh. I know. It okay. can be wonderful sweet, but it's all right now. <laughs> okay. All right, I will just go ahead and uh, mute you, and I'll begin the uh, Bible study. All right. Welcome aboard. All right. Um, first of all, before I get into the topic of this Bible study, which is uh, what are the signs of the end time, um, I came across an article on CNN today. Uh, actually, it was... Uh, July 13th on my iPhone, and it says, Drought stretches across America, threatens crops. I'm going to read a little bit of this article to help you understand the seriousness of this, because uh, I've never read anything like this before about what's going on uh, across the United States. It says, uh, A dry and mild spring led Don Vilwalk, like all of India's, or Indiana's rather, <laughs> corn and soybean farmers to plant two weeks early this year. He was hoping for a bountiful Labor Day harvest, but the rain didn't fall and June brought blistering heat. Now, as punishing drought grips the Midwest, Vilwalk, 61, walks his hard-hit 4,000 acres in southwest Indiana in utter dismay. Where there should have been tall, dark green leafy plants, there now stands corn stalks that are waist-high or, at best, chest-high. They are pale in color and spindly, fragile, tired. And he states here, it's emotionally draining, he said, the crop out of the ground very well. We're, we were so optimistic. We, we got crop out of the ground very well. But maybe a few of us were counting our eggs before they were hatched. It says, the cost of America's worst drought in 24 years. Let me underscore and repeat that. The cost of America's worst drought in 24 years is obvious to Vilwalk, who has been farming for four decades. There are no, and they are not so apparent to American consumers, at least not yet, as far as the uh, your pocketbook. But uh, it will. It says, but down the line, people are certain to be paying more for food this year, which isn't good news. Uh, the food is expensive enough as it is. 
says authorities have declared more than 1,000 counties and 26 states as natural disaster areas. Let me underscore that again. Authorities have declared more than 1,000 counties and 26 states as natural disaster areas. So, and then here's another one. As of Tuesday, 61% of land in the lower 48 states was experiencing drought conditions stretching from Nevada to South Carolina, the highest percentage in the 12-year record of the U.S. drought monitor. Let me repeat that again. As of Tuesday, 61% of land in the lower 48 states was experiencing drought conditions stretching from Nevada to South Carolina, the highest percentage, the highest percentage in the 12-year record of the U.S. drought monitor. That is very significant, folks. The parched conditions come after some of the United States suffered record-setting, record-setting heat waves, killer storms, and blazing wildfires. In America's Corn Belt, which is the most plentiful area of the United States that produces uh, our vegetables and fruits, the prognosis for farmers is grim as or the prognosis for farmers is grim as fields and pastures become drier by the day. By the day. He says 30% of the corn crop in the 18 primary corn growing states is now in poor or very poor condition, up from 22% the previous week. So, folks, you know, things are, I have to tell you, I've been in this world for 46 years, and I've, I've never read anything like this. Uh, I have to be totally honest with you. Um, on my job, I, I call businesses, and businesses are going out of business. I, I've asked a, a gentleman I spoke to last week that's a lot older than me, and I asked him, <laughs> he's in his 70s, and I asked him, have you ever experienced an economy like this before? said never and this is a guy in the 70s so folks you know i have to be honest with you we are definitely living in the end times here uh there are other things i can talk about uh but it's just so much it's so much to talk about about where we're at and what we need to do to prepare for tough times it's just, I just can't um, begin to even comprehend right now uh, the tremendous um, problems that we're having now and what we will have in the future. Uh, the, really, the only way we're going to understand it is, is go back to what the Bible says about it and just prepare for the worst. That's what we're going to have to do here. So... Another article I want to read here quickly is about uh, the 12 factors that are turning our streets in America into living hell. I'm just going to briefly highlight this. Uh, it says the, the United States, and this is uh, found on Google if you want to Google this, 12 factors that are turning the streets of America into a living hell. And then the, in the other article, drought stretches America, threatens crops, and just Google that and you'll be able to find both those articles. Uh, the United States once had safe, beautiful cities that were the envy of the entire world, but now many of them are degenerating into rotting, festering, crime-ridden hellholes. All right, so let me just highlight the article. I can't read the whole thing. It's just too long. But it says, the following are 12 factors that are turning the streets of America into a living hell. Number one, 
out-of-control gang violence. The United States has the highest rate of illegal drug use in the entire world. This makes it easy for gangs to make money and to grow. All right, so number two, naked criminals going crazy. Lately, we have seen a rash of truly bizarre drug-fueled crimes all over the United States. Of course, most of us have heard about all the zombie attacks that happened all over the country recently that involved criminals attacking and trying to eat their victims. But now another trend seems to be emerging. Now a lot of these drug-fueled crimes are being committed by people that are completely and totally naked. Okay, that's crazy enough, right? Number three, Jersey Shore in real life. America loves the party. Oh, yes. Well, we don't need a course on how to party, do we? In a nation where even secret service agents party like rock stars, it shouldn't be surprising that partying is getting out of control in communities all over the country. It says, over in New Jersey, one borough was forced recently to amend its public urination ordinance to include defecation because there has been such a problem with public drunkenness. All right, number four, horrifying abuse of children. America is a world leader in the abuse of children. Again, America is a world leader in the abuse of children. Now, keep in mind abuse, as I uh, I think it's two Bible study programs ago, abuse is not just physical abuse. It's also emotional and verbal abuse. And uh, you can go to um, Focus on the Family website, or you can Google Focus on the Family emotional abuse, verbal abuse, to understand what I'm talking about there. Of course, you can do physical abuse as well. He said... It says, sadly, there are more than 3 million reports of child abuse in the United States. That's 3 million or more than 3 million reports of child abuse in the United States every single year. Much of this abuse is sexual. What goes on behind many closed doors all over America is so sick that it's hard to find words even to describe how horrible it is, and I'm not going to get into detail with it. Uh, Number five, nightmarish abuse of wives and girlfriends. Children are not the only ones being abused. All over the United States, there is an epidemic of abuse against wives and girlfriends as well. For example, it was recently reported that one West Virginia man kept his wife chained up for nearly 10 years and treated her like a slave. All right, let's move on. Number six, an epidemic of sexual predators. In America today, you aren't just in danger of being abused in your own home. The truth is that there are millions of sexual predators out there waiting to pounce on you and your children. Okay. Number seven, horrifying abuse of animals. It is just me. Is it just me, or does it seem like the abuse of animals is reaching horrifying new levels? Now, remember, the Bible does tell us that the righteous man takes care of his animals. And unfortunately, in this country, there's there's police departments all across the country, and their sole purpose is to uh, prosecute people who abuse their animals. So it, it's just um, the way we treat our animals says a lot about where we are as a society. And right now, our treatment of animals says that we are very sick. For one example, one man down in Florida has been charged with biting the list off a kitten. All right, so let me move on. I'm not going to go. It's just just ridiculous. Number eight, I mean, does this sound like a righteous nation, folks? All right? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people, not just in this country, but around the world that are righteous. But the Bible indicates, let me turn to Matthew, our Lord and Savior here. Okay? Matthew chapter 7. In red letters in the King James Version, verse 13, states this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad, means lengthy, is the way, wide that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. That's what our Lord and Savior stated. 
But here's the key verse I want you to focus on here. Verse 14. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So that is a very significant statement by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where he states that the few, and that word in the Greek is oligos, and it means puny. And the puny, and puny there be that find it, or very few people. And this is before uh, this great event that occurs here that we're approaching here, Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 for then shall be great tribulation or great problems or great punishing. Uh, the original Greek for tribulation in the King James Version here is pressure, uh, is, is delipis, delipsis, okay? It means pressure, anguish, burden, persecution, trouble. For then shall be great trouble, such as was not since the beginning of this world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, and thank God they will be shortened, because if there weren't, if these days were not shortened, this is what will happen. This is what will happen. There should no flesh be saved. All of mankind would be destroyed. All right, so that that's what that's what we're approaching, folks. Uh, and the complete Jewish Bible version in verse 22 states this, Indeed, if the length of this time had not been limited to, no one would survive. No one would survive. But for the sake of those who have been chosen, its length will be limited. Now, I've explained this before to help you better understand what, what he was talking about here. Now, I know I wasn't born in 1945, but perhaps some people that are listening to this has. All right, and you were and and you were alive at the time, maybe as a teenager or an adult. Nineteen forty-five was very pivotal in the history of the world. August nineteen forty-five, we created what is called the atomic bomb. The atomic bomb, as um, our president at the time, Harry Truman, stated, gave us the ability to tap into the power of the universe. When we detonated that bomb, and uh, well. Well, people are still suffering today from what happened at Hiroshima when we detonated that bomb. Uh, it's called Little Boy. It may have been a little boy, but it had a big impact and destroyed um, several people there in Hiroshima. That began the nuclear age. That began the age where we could fulfill this verse where it says, Indeed, if the length of this time had not been limited, no one would survive. Prior to 1945, we did not have the capability of fulfilling this prophecy. But ever since 1945, we have. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, if we if we go up a little bit, uh, read this in the King James Version. I know that's the version that most Americans are familiar with. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 3, it states, and as he sat down upon the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives is right across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So if you can just picture that. So our Lord and Savior basically was sitting on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah chapter 14. If you read that whole chapter, it's a chapter that reveals that the Messiah, the Christ, will land his feet on the Mount of Olives when he returns to this earth to bring us peace, real peace. 
Verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What things? The things he talked about. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Or that word world in the Greek means the age, the age of mankind trying to rule themselves because up to this very second we have failed in that area. And then in verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, and said to them, Take heed that no man trick you. So that's the first thing that he said, or deceive you. That's what trick that's what deceive means, to trick you. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And the Bible says that the whole world has been deceived or tricked. And let's turn to Revelation chapter 12 to understand that. Now, I already read to you what he said, that very few people find the true way of life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. You ought to study that. That's a very important scripture to understand and memorize and be aware of. Revelation 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives or tricks the whole entire world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the devil has his ministers. And there's many of them. There's many of them. And you have to be aware of that um, because if you're not aware of that, you will be tricked. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful or tricky workers, transforming themselves into the apostles or missionaries of Christ. Verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's clever. He's slick. He's a trickster. He knows how to make something sound good to deceive you and to trick you. Verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. And what is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172, righteousness is all of the commandments of God, which Christianity today states is nailed to the cross. Okay? Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So be aware that the devil has deceived this whole entire planet. Second of all, he has ministers that do his work for him, whether they realize it or not. Because a lot of them are deceived themselves. They don't know what they're doing or saying. Because they've been taught false things from these uh, schools and so forth. About the law has been nailed to the cross and so forth. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19 is a pivotal verse. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. The Gentiles, all the nations shall come unto thee from the ends of the world or the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. So that's a scripture from Jeremiah. And remember, Ephesians 2, verse 20 says, The assembly or the church is built on the foundation of the apostles, which is the New Testament or restored scriptures, or uh, renewed covenant scriptures, I should say, and the prophets, which symbolizes, of course, the Old Testament, because most of it was written by prophets. The first five books was written by a prophet, Moses. Okay? So that's 
the assembly is associated with those two elements, the apostles and the prophets. That's the reason why I always go back to the Old Testament, and I get people telling me, well, the Old Testament's done away with, uh, you know, like it's toilet paper. And it's not toilet paper, folks. It's not toilet paper at all. It's just as important as the renewed covenant scriptures or the New Testament, as people are familiar with. So, surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. Verse 20. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Verse 21. Therefore, behold, I will once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. And that word Lord is the tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, or Y-H-V, Y-H-W-H. And it means Yahweh. Oh, Yehovah, or people are still trying to make up their minds what it means. But that word, when you see the word Lord translated in the Old Testament, it's referring to uh, Y-H-W-H or Y-H-W-V. All right? And that's what it's referring to, for those who don't know his real name. That's it. All right? So let's understand that. You know, people can't make up their minds what... How, it, uh, how it's pronounced, I don't think any of us will know the exact pronunciation of it until um, the Messiah comes on this earth. But that's a prophecy that is being fulfilled because many people are starting to realize what his name is. All right, so getting back to Matthew. How much time I got left here? I never have enough time to do anything. All right, it's uh, 37 minutes. Okay, I think we have plenty of time here. I try to... Uh, summarize these programs in one hour, but sometimes I don't. And if I do go over, uh, I'll be cut off, but uh, you can still listen to the rest of it on the archives. Because this is a very important Bible study. I believe God is motivating me here to talk about things here because I really sense, I really sense that this year is going to be a hell of a year, folks. And uh, I'm just, I'm not lying to you. And I don't lie. I don't practice lying. But I really feel ominous right now. I feel that things are really going to get bad. And as I've stated weeks ago, our president, you know, Barack Obama, I'm impressed by him and so forth, but he said something that no president has ever said before in the history of the presidency. He opened his mouth and said that two people of the same sex ought to get married. And then I think shortly after that, he said this around May 13th, I think, And then after that, Newsweek, I'm sure you're familiar with Newsweek, had a picture of him with a hollow on there, you know, rainbow hollow, the first gay president. All right? Now, I don't think I have to tell you what the Bible says about that, about that behavior, uh, but uh, Jesus, or Yeshua, his Jewish name, in Matthew chapter 19 stated that a marriage is between a man and a woman. I think common sense should tell us that. Uh, no child can be created from two women or two men. Uh, a woman has the ovum, which is the egg, and also the male has the sperm. Uh, the sperm has to unite, to, uh, unite with the ovum to produce an embryo. All right, so our biology tells us that being gay does not produce another human being. So, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. But anyway, the Bible and common sense to tell us that the president is wrong about what he stated. Now, I I did explain in in, in the previous broadcast here that Sodom and Gomorrah 
that situation in Genesis chapter 19. Now, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, let's go over that again, because many people think Sodom and Gomorrah is just homosexuality. My friends, it's not just homosexuality. It's a lot of other things. Uh, let's turn to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, chapter 16. Now, I don't know if too many people are preaching this, but I'm going to preach it. Ezekiel, chapter 16, verse 49. We need to be aware of who we are biblically and and what we need to do to repent as a nation, to repent as a world, okay? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you another scripture shortly after this. Jeremiah 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. So that's the first characteristic of Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, which is eating too much, abundance of idleness, um, that means abundance of laziness. Uh, we, we look at television four or five hours, uh, I think six hours a day, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, many teenagers are on their iPhones. Uh, they're doing all kinds of ridiculous things, sexing, sending naked pictures of each other over the phone and doing all kinds of idiotic things and, and so forth. Um, it, it's just uh, we are a country of, of, of tremendous laziness. After we work, we come home and we look at Jersey Shore, whatever that show it was, I don't know anything about it, basically, and, and, and we just, we listen to, and I live in a um, condo, I live around people, and they play this music that's so loud, don't, 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 I mean, I can't even, it's so loud that, that I think my room shakes, you know, and, 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 and it's just ridiculous, uh, it's just a society that is just, we just want to party and have fun and forget about our problems, you know, uh, and then here's one that, uh, it says right here, a fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And that's something that we are very guilty of, particularly in the United States. Uh, we have approximately 50 million people right now, according to feedingamerica.org or .com, that don't have enough to eat. And we have the most millionaires here, in the, billionaires with a B, billionaires, not just millionaires, billionaires. I think we have the most millionaires too, but we have the most billionaires in this country. And, you know, former presidential candidate John Edwards stated that all we need is $20 billion, that's what it would be, to eliminate poverty in this country. And we definitely got more than enough to do that. But we don't strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Instead, we think it's, it's something they did all the time. It was something uh, that they we don't respect the poor. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. People don't respect the poor. They think something's wrong with the poor and, and so forth. And uh, it's their fault. In all cases, the reason why they're poor, and that's not true, folks. I mean, the Bible talks about the poor a lot. Now, it does say that if you're lazy, you'll be poor, okay? But a lot of there's a lot of scriptures that state the reason for poverty is not laziness, and more than likely it's because of oppression. What is oppression? Oppression is um, preventing the poor from helping themselves. Um, like... Uh, Say, for instance, you have a black male that they, they have a master's degree in marketing and they're studying for a doctorate degree. Uh, and they're just making, um, what is it, 12 bucks an hour. That's oppression. That's an example of it. And it, can, it doesn't have to be, a, I'm just giving an example, but it happens more among uh, blacks and Hispanics than anyone else in this country. Asians and, 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 and white folks, they seem to, they, they make the most money in this country. And I proved that, I think, at last broadcast. I had an article. But uh, it's, it's, and our net worth is only like, net worth is the money that you have after uh, you pay your bills and expenses. Uh, it's supposed to be $5,000. Now, white folks, that have they have over six figures. 
net worth. And then Asians have 60,000, and then Hispanics have slightly uh, more than us, about 7,000 net worth. That's what we should should have, but that tells you the big difference. That's oppression, folks. That's oppression. And then verse 50 of Ezekiel chapter 16, And they were haughty and committed abomination before me, therefore I took them away as I saw good. And one of the reasons why the Messiah is going to come back, folks, let me... Uh, Folks, uh, let me turn to Malachi 3, verse 5, and show this to you. Right here, it says, uh, Malachi 3, verse 5, And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers. Now, this word sorcerer, it means sorcery. Those who practice magic, there are warlocks and witches that are in this country, unfortunately, and around the world. And against the adulterers, and against false swearers, people who lie, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages. All right, so he's coming also because of socioeconomic or trying to make a living issues. All right, the widow and the fatherless and, and them that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me. You don't fear the Lord if you don't help people and you can help them. You're not fearing the Lord at all. You don't care about the Lord. You don't care about the other person either. All right, so let's get back to this pivotal prophecy, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. All right. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. So you should understand the deception. You understand that not, not that many people have been taught the truth over the years. And, and, and our Lord and Savior stated that only the few find the true way of life. And this, of course, is before this great trouble, because I'm going to show you in Revelation chapter 7 that many people are going to come out of the great tribulation. Many people are going to finally get it. After they get spanked. And how do you spank adults? You don't spank adults by spanking them on their butt. You you take away food from them. You take away food from them. And that's what's happening right now, folks, as I'm speaking. Let me turn to Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3. For behold, the Lord the Lord of hosts. And then before you think, oh, this is talking about just Israel. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it states that these things that happen in the Old Testament applies to us today. Okay, study that. Isaiah, not Isaiah, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, uh, I think it's the first, yeah, verses 1 to 11. Study that. And I, I may have time to go to that, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 11. Because yeah, I do I do know that I have some people listening to me that have been taught incorrectly that the Old Testament doesn't apply to us. Yes, it does. It applies to not only to us, but to all of mankind. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, and remember, Yeshua stated, or Jesus stated, in Matthew 4, verse 4, that we must live by every word of God. And certainly, the uh, Isaiah chapter 3 is a part of the words of God. Hold your place here in Isaiah chapter 3 so I could end this um, this uh, erroneous uh, reasoning about uh, the Old Testament, because I hear this too much and I'm tired of it. And um, Isaiah chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, and that's the problem that we have in this country and around the world. Most people aren't raised as a child knowing the Scriptures. I raised my child, my son, Kennard Jr. We raised him from age, what, as soon as he could understand the Bible, we were reading uh, the Scriptures to him. I mean, as soon as he could understand words, we were reading the Scriptures to him from a child, and that's the reason why he's very well behaved today. Uh, it says, in that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. From a child. 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture. And that and see, what I want you to understand is this. Please understand what I'm getting ready to say here. Focus on what I'm saying. The scriptures back then was just the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that means teachings, for reproof, that's correcting, um, or elements of correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. All right, and going back to the Old Testament and Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and the last verse there, verse 13, or close to the last verse, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Carry on. That's what the colon means. Fear God and keep his commandments. Colon. Carry on. For this is the whole duty of man. And why should we fear God and keep his commandments? Verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. So whatever you're doing in secret, you're going to be judged by it. Okay? So you can close the door or, you know, at, at work you can all, you act all nice and come home and act like a beast. Well, God is going to, he knows what you're doing and you're going to be judged for it. Every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. That's the reason why we better keep those commandments because we're going to be judged by what we do, folks. We're going to be judged by what we do. For those who don't know where the commandments are at in the Bible, is in Exodus chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And not just the Ten Commandments, folks. Look at Leviticus chapter, 19, uh, uh, chapter 19. Look at those as well. Now, of course, we can't do sacrifices. We can't kill lambs and so forth and give it to the priest to, to, to offer. But the sacrifices, what did they point to? What did they really picture? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13 to find out. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse... Uh, 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, that word in the original Greek is called nahia, and it means partnership, uh, participation, um, distribution. So, and then in another version, it's a lot clearer here, uh, it says, but don't forget doing good and sharing with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So the sacrifices point to your overall uh, ability to give and share with one another. That's why it's, it's, it's called a sacrifice. Okay? So we must understand that, folks. And getting back to Isaiah chapter 3 here. Isaiah chapter 3. just got to explain certain things so that you understand. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, this is a pivotal um, scripture. I want you to understand this. For behold, and this is the, the, what we're leading into, folks, around the world. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. Now remember that Jerusalem is the capital of the world. It will be the capital city of the entire world. So everything starts from Jerusalem, and it affects the entire planet. And from Judah, the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread, and the whole stay of water. The stay uh, in the original Hebrew means mishain, and it means support. Support. Substance. So the substance and the staff and the whole substance of bread and the whole 
substance of water, the mighty man. And he's going to take away that. He's, gonna, he's starting to take away our substance, our ability to take care of ourselves. Remember, how does he punish men and women? He takes away our ability to take care of ourselves. That gets our attention. That gets our attention. Uh, verse 2, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the agent, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another and every one by his neighbor. And the child shall behave himself proudly against the agent and the base against the honorable. And so he's talking about socioeconomic conditions uh, that are so terrible. That is so terrible. In Isaiah chapter 24, Isaiah chapter 24, this is what this is all leading to, folks. Verse 1, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and maketh it race and turneth it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury. So with the giver of usury to him, the land. So this is going to affect everyone, no matter whether you're rich or poor. Verse 3, the land shall be utterly empty. That should, uh, in other uh, versions of the Bible, it says the country will be empty and sad. The world will be empty and weak. Okay, so this is applying only to Jerusalem, but the entire world. The great leaders of the people in this land will become weak. And that's in the uh, King James. Let me go back to the King James Version right here. Uh, verse 4. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languish away and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish, the earth also is defiled or in a state of decay. Under the inhabitants, that's what's happening, the world is getting to a point of being in a state of decay. Because they have transgressed the laws. What laws? The laws of God. Changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. People wonder, why do we not have peace? Verse 6, well here's the answer. Therefore have the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. And that's, you know, it's, not, it's going to be few people on the earth when Yeshua lands his, or Jesus lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. And the reason why is because we refuse, up until this point, collectively as a human race, to obey the laws of God. When you don't obey the laws of God, they have consequences, and, and that's and that's the problem. And people still try to say that the laws nailed to the cross and all that and 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 that's not true that's not true folks that's not true isaiah i mean i'm sorry psalm 119 verse 165 great peace have they which love thy law i can tell you right now in the authority of the scriptures and god himself that not that many people love his law his teachings his doctrines and nothing shall offend them so if you love the law of God, nothing will make you trip. Nothing will make uh, you won't be destroyed. One sixty six of Psalm one nineteen. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. When you keep the commandments, you're hoping for salvation. You're hoping uh, to have eternal life when you're keeping the commandments. Okay, so let's get back to Matthew again, chapter twenty three, chapter twenty four. I'm sorry, chapter twenty four. All right, so so you understand this great deception. And verse 6, this is where we're at. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation. That word should be translated 
family or tribe, and kingdom against kingdom. So we, we have all kinds of, I'm just reading it to reading to you all those things. Matter of fact, let me go back to that and, and get through of all the terrible things that are happening in this country right now. Uh, rapid, number eight, rapid theft all over the United States. As the economy has crumbled and unemployment has soared, millions of Americans have started to become very desperate for those who just joined the program. This is an article I'm referring to. Twelve factors that are turning the streets of America into a living hill. You can Google that to get this information. All of America, we are starting to see desperate criminals steal anything that they think they can sell for money. For example, down in Bristol, Tennessee, authorities say that there has been an epidemic of lawn equipment theft lately. Over in California, criminals will even steal gold right out of your mouth. Now, that's interesting. Anyway, um, it's just ridiculous, folks. It says, down in Fresno, California, thieves are stealing so much copper wire from city street lights that it is costing the city about 50000 a month. All right, let's move on. Number nine, America's meth epidemic. As mentioned earlier, America has the biggest drug problem in the world, and one of America's favorite drugs is meth. According to PBS, there are approximately 1.4 million meth users in the United States right now. Meth can destroy your life faster than just about any other drug. If you doubt this, just check out these before and after pictures. Well, you guys can click on that if you want, uh, if you hit the article. It says, unfortunately, there are lots of signs that meth use is rising again. It says, according to the DEA, meth seizures increased from 2000. 839 in 2007 to 6,128 in 2010. This is very, very bad news. When people become meth addicts, they do absolutely crazy things. So I'm not going to, well, yeah, let me read this. A mother in Baskerville, California, was sentenced Tuesday for stabbing her newborn while in a meth rage. An Oklahoma woman drowned her baby in a washing machine in November. A New Mexico woman claiming to be God stabbed her son with screwdriver last month, saying God wants him dead. Okay, so... Here we go. Uh, number 10, mob robberies. Groups of young people are banding together in flash mobs and are robbing retail stores all over the country. During a mob robbery, dozens of people will storm into a store and grab whatever they want and then storm right back out. The following is one recent example that happened in Baltimore, so I'm, I'm not going to go through that. And number 11, police are becoming more corrupt and more abusive. When bad things do happen, most people respond by calling the police. That is who we are supposed to call, right? Unfortunately, it appears that the police in America have become more corrupt and more abusive than ever. Up in Seattle, police recently tasered a pregnant woman three times after she refused to sign a ticket for a traffic violation. Why would Who would do such a thing to a pregnant woman? That little baby could have been easily killed. Down in Georgia, one police officer recently kicked a woman who was nine months pregnant directly in the stomach. Amazingly, his superiors in the local police department defended his actions. If this is how police would treat pregnant women, then how are they going to treat you? Sadly, police all over the country continue to get caught, breaking the very laws that they are supposed to be enforcing. All right, number 12, the last one here, human trafficking. Human trafficking is big business. It's a $32 billion industry worldwide, and it is an industry that is rapidly growing in America. Let me underscore that. It is a $32 billion, with a B, dollar industry worldwide and it is an industry that is rapidly growing in America. Most of those that are abducted and forced into sex slavery are women. A very large percentage of them are under 18 years of age. This is one reason why it is really, really, really bad idea. It's a really, really, really bad idea for girls to run away from home. All of America tonight, pimps, will force young girls to have sex with strange men at hotels, truck stops, and in back alleys. All right, so 
folks, this, this tells you a picture of our great country and how we have just, because of the fact that we don't teach our children from birth, when they are, are able to understand our words, the Bible, that is the reason why we are degrading into a society of probably zombies at, the, at this point, you know, just not thinking and just going nuts. And that and and that's because of the fact that we just refuse to want to obey the great God of the Bible and his laws. And yet you had these Christian ministers uh, preaching, oh, yeah, the law is done away with, yeah. Well, the law may be done away with as far as you not want to obey it, but Yeshua stated plainly in Matthew chapter 5, let's turn there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. I want you to notice the first few words that he says here. Matthew 5, verse 7. Think not that I have come to destroy the law. And what are these Satan's ministers, what did they teach you? That the law has been destroyed. But our Lord and Savior states here, think not. We're not supposed to even think that he came to destroy the law. And what did these false ministers preach? That the law has been nailed to the cross. So who are you going to believe? Jesus, who's perfect, or ministers who prove that they're imperfect by saying idiotic things like that? Okay, so he states here in verse 17, Think not, so we're not supposed to even think it, that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. So he, he, the law is found in the first five books of Moses, and actually the entire book of the Bible, because there's some, some commandments, like the commandment not for fathers who, a lot of, of, of fathers do this, and I've done this not that often, but it says fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. All right, and fathers tend to over-discipline at times. But that commandment is not found in the Old Testament, but it's found in the New Testament. So there's many other different commandments all throughout the entire Bible. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. See, he did not come to destroy the prophetic scriptures, folks. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Many people are, are mixed up about what that means. That means to help you to understand, to help you to understand how to keep these laws. That's what he did. He didn't come to destroy it. Verse 18, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. As I look outside here, I still see a sun and I still see a sky. So the law is still in effect, folks. Verse 19, whoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men to do so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever shall do and teach the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so you get, you got to understand something. The real Jesus of the Bible did not teach that the law has been nailed to the cross, folks. That is one of the greatest lies perpetrated by the devil through his ministers. And I already showed you that he has quite a few ministers because those ministers had deceived most of the people on this earth about that. All right, so Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. It's getting back here. All right, so... Verse 7, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, which we're going through already. Uh, we're having this drought in the United States, and it's going to look like it's going to continue on here. And see, once you have famines, once there's starvation throughout the world, what do you have? Well, your body breaks down, and you begin to have what? Pestilences or diseases and earthquakes in various places. We have these famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places all over the world. We've had it for many years, but they're intensifying now. Verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. It's just the beginning. 
unfortunately. Verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and you shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So this applied to the apostles back then, and, and it's possible that this will apply. Well, it is, because it does state in Revelation chapter 20 that there were many believers that were beheaded. All right, so verse 9, They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10, these are believers, people who believe that you should obey uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the commandments and do the best they can to, to live like Christ lived. They believe in this scripture found in 1 John chapter 2, and it states, uh, I'm going to read the first six verses here. 1 John 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. What is sin? 1 John 3, verse 4, the transgression of the law. 1 John 3, verse 4, the law of God. That's what sin is. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 2, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for also for the sins of the entire world. For the entire planet, he uh, he didn't die just for the Jews, folks. Uh, he died for everybody. All right, everybody. And uh, that word propitiation means atonement. So he atoned for our the, the death penalty that we all deserve. Verse three. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse four. He that says I know him and keep of not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse five. But whosoever keep of his word in him. Verily is the love of God perfected. Remember, Jesus is God also. He's the word of God. So it's talking about God's commandments. Uh, Hereby know we that we are in him. Verse 6, he that says he abideth in him himself also to walk even as he walks. So we should follow his example. And the real Jesus in the Bible, he kept the Sabbath and he kept the holy days of God, which is another Bible study in itself. And uh, believers, they true believers do that. Now, there's some people that have never heard of this before. He's not going to hold that against you. But if you're hearing this now, you should find out about it by listening to this program, emailing me. I'll, I'll show you how to keep the Sabbath. I'll teach you how to keep the holy days of God so you can follow Yeshua's example. He is the example. He's, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he states plainly that I am the way. He's the truth, and what's this, what is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, is the, all the teachings of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So he is our example. He is the second or the last Adam, as revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Adam means mankind. He is the prototype of mankind. He is what mankind should have been had not Adam sinned. And that's who we need to follow. You should study 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It summarizes the entire plan of God. It's a beautiful chapter, one of the most beautiful chapters ever to read in the entire Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. All right, so where are we? Um, verse 9, verse 10. And then shall... Many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. You have many of those today. Verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Not too many people care about people today, that's for sure. Verse 13, and he shall he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. You have to endure until the end to be saved. Your end could be tomorrow, or it can be you, you could be alive and miraculously protected. Uh, during the tribulation that's about to occur here. 
uh, verse 14, I don't know when now. I'm going to give you some estimates, but you know, I, 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 I'm going to use the Word of God and common sense here. But I know that uh, I can't see us lasting this century. <laughs> In other words, uh, the year 2100, I just don't see that happening, folks. Uh, it's just too much stuff going on. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. That certainly hasn't been fulfilled yet, despite what some false preachers have been preaching. Verse 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in a holy place. I'm going to go over today, folks. So if this cuts off, and it's going to cut off in six minutes and 49 seconds, uh, you need to um, realize that uh, you'll be able to listen to the rest of this um, later on, okay? So it's going to cut off six six minutes and 36 seconds now, so uh, when I cut off, realize that uh, I'm still going to be talking for, for probably another 30 minutes or less uh, to complete the Bible study. You can get on the archive, so I just want to let you know about that. All right, so in verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. And when you understand what the holy place is, the holy place is a temple structure. So many people have been preaching incorrectly uh, that there's not going to be a temple. There is going to be a temple. It says, whoever readeth, let him understand. If you go back and understand what happened um, during the abomination of desolation, during the, the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, during the time around Daniel, toward the well, actually not the time toward Daniel, but the end of uh, the BC years, when you understand what happened, there was a temple structure. The, the temple, the second temple, was built at that time, and Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a pig on the altar, and he also had a statue of Zeus near the holy place, around the holy place. That's what he's talking about in verse 16. Then let him which be in Judea or the West Bank flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Verse 18. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that get suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So what we need to be looking for, which is already occurring right now that gives you the signs of the end time, number one, we're having great economic problems, great economic problems, which is highlighted in Revelation chapter 6. Re Revelation chapter 6 starting in verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Verse 6. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So this is talking about great economic chaos. And that's what we're going through right now, folks. That's what we're going through right now. And let me go back here. So the famine, and then the famine is going to lead, uh, more than likely we're going to have a war. We always have these wars. And uh, the past two world wars, I think the first one lasted four years, four or five years. The second one, 
began in 1939 and ended in 1946. Uh, that's, uh, I think, seven years. So don't be surprised if, no, I think in 1945 and ended six years. So don't be surprised if the next World War lasts about six or seven years. Okay? So I don't know the length of the next World War, World War Three, but um, more than likely that war is going to lead to the return of Christ because that war would definitely involve nuclear bombs. All right, so uh, we understand that the end times will be similar to Sodom and Gomorrah. All right, and I've already listed sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even Christ stated in Luke chapter 17 the characteristics of the world. Um, and he mentioned uh, the days of Lot. So it will be similar to the days of Lot. Let me show you here in um, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Verse 24. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Verse 25. But first must be must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, or in a similar fashion, also as it was in the days of Lot, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it, but... The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So he's telling us that all these sins of Sodom, which is pride, eating too much, abundance of laziness, failure to help and care for the poor, and sexual perversion, which uh, we lead the world in. Um, the United States is one of the most stingiest nations in the world. We don't adequately take care of the poor in our country or in the world. Uh, we allow approximately 50 million people in this country to not have enough food, according to Feeding America. We're one of the fattest nations in the world. Uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 20 states that we're Jezreel. We are one of the laziest nations in the world. We lead the world in pornography production. We are the top video porn producers, according to FamilySafeMedia.com. Top erotica important cities in the United States are Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New York, and Chicago, according to FamilySafeMedia.com. Okay, so I want you to understand something, that we're going to tough economic times, and I'm hearing wars and rumors of wars, as Yeshua stated. More than likely, a war has happened this year. Now, I'm not saying it will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Now, what are the characteristics of the um, the last days here? I had to give you some preparations here so you can understand what I'm talking about. Now, in the King James Version, I'm going to do this search again, but when I do last days, search for last days the phrase last days some uh, some something interesting appears here all right so one two three four five six seven eight when i do the search for last days it come across eight scriptures eight scriptures with the last days all right and the last days means the days before the coming of the messiah and the first subject, actually seven subjects within the, uh, the last days, uh, Micah 4, verse 1, and Isaiah 2, verse 2, is pretty much the same scripture. So it's really seven things or characteristics that the Bible reveals about the last days. 
Now, the first subject is the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob or Israel, God changed his name to Israel, gathered all of his sons together to tell them what their distant future would be as tribes. And this is found in Genesis 49, verse 1. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days or the days before the coming of the Messiah. And this is interesting because people are still trying to fumble around, trying to figure out who the 12 tribes are. There's a recent book that was written by Boaz Michael that I'm still evaluating um, about the fact that he doesn't believe that the 12 tribes of Israel, that the United States and the British nations uh, don't have anything to do with the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, I don't know if he's ever read your Davidi's material in detail, but that is completely false. Uh, he needs to go and study that detail, uh, study that website in detail, www.britam.org. Uh, Yer Davidi is an Orthodox Jew, and he has done thorough research to prove that Britain and the United States and Canada is a part of the modern 12 tribes of Israel. And if you look at the characteristics of each of these tribes, in particular Joseph, how can you say Joseph does not represent the United States and Britain? Okay? You have to, when you trying to understand prophecy, you have to look at the characteristics or the actions or behavioral traits of what the prophecy is referring to at times. All right? That's how you're going to understand it. And one of our traits that God, I believe, in a humorous way has pointed out is that we are, are fat, we are fat people, and we love to eat, and we are prosperous. And Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 20, reveals that we are one of the fattest nations in the world. And yet, who, let me just ask you a question. Who are the fattest and richest people in the world today? Because the Bible says that, that those people are a part of Israel. It's us and the British nations and the British Commonwealth of Nations. There's no one else. There's no one else in the world that is as fat as we are and as prosperous as we are. That's the simplest way to determine <laughs> and understand that we're a part of Israel. China is not as fat as rich as we are. Uh, Europeans, are just, aren't they? they are not as fat and, and as rich as we are. I'm talking about this British Commonwealth of Nations and the United States. Combined, we are a powerful force. And then the, the little nation of Israel, they're prosperous as well and fat and very prosperous. They're also a part of the tribes of Israel. That is the easiest way to prove. And, of course, in Boaz Michael's book, I didn't see that reasoning there at all. But if you if you look at who are the fattest people in the world today, let, let me um, prove something to you here in the simplest of ways here. Uh, you know that we fit the characteristics as far as what God describes uh, uh, the Jews here uh, having these elements, but he describes all of mankind as being that way. And in Isaiah chapter 1, he alludes to the fact that um, Israel is a leader of, uh, he calls Israel the leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he associates us with Sodom and Gomorrah. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in uh, verse 20. This is a very pivotal scripture here. 
For when I have bought them into the land which I have sworn to their fathers that flow with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, so they're very prosperous and they're fat people. Then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of their mouths, out of their seed. For I know their imagination, which they bought about even now, before I have brought them into the land, which I swear. And so he he calls us fat for a reason, folks. I mean, we're, we're fat people, and and uh, we and he he calls us Jezreel in in this scripture here. I'm trying to find Jezreel here, but but uh, he. We are a very fat people, and we have a lot. We have a lot. We we uh, we just have a lot, and we just don't appreciate the things that God has given us. We don't appreciate it, and we just um, take it for granted. We take every. Uh, most of us take a lot of the blessings that He has given us. We take for granted. So I'm trying to find the scripture where He called He. Um, let me see. Look up wax. Waxing. Here we go. Yeah, I just read that to you. Um, yeah, here we go. Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. Okay. Oh, it was in verse 32 when he talks about us being fat. Uh, it says right here, um, let me go, all right, uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 9, for the Lord's portion, the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, the lot of his inheritance, Jacob, of course, consists of the 12 tribes of Israel, verse 10, he found him in a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness, he led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye, and that's Deuteronomy 32, verse 10, verse 11, as an eagle stirred up her nest, and Flutter over her young, spread over broad her wings, taking them, bear them on her wings. Verse 12, So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, the highest places of the earth. In other words, they had it all, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made them to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. We had it all. We have all the, the major resources of the world we have. Butter of kind and milk of sheep with the fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat and kidneys of wheat. And thou didn't drink the pure blood of the great. But Jezreel, wax fat and kick, thou art waxing fat, thou art grown fat, thou art covered with fatness. And I'm telling you, I, I walk these streets all the time uh, when I get in my car and there's a lot of fat people in this country. I'm a little overweight. I'm trying to lose weight. We fat folks. That's one of our characteristics. I think almost close to 70% of us are overweight. I think it's in the 60 percentile now. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. So anyway, we're called Jezreel. That's one of our characteristics, folks. And then in the end times, in Genesis chapter 49, the days leading up to the Messiah, it tells us about Joseph, which consists of Ephraim and Manasseh, which consists of the United States and Britain, despite what people think. Uh, let's see right here. Joseph, Genesis chapter 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bog, even a fruitful bog by a whale whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow, a bow in strength. You have the United States seal. It has an eagle on it with a bow, right? 
and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob and from the shepherd of stone of Israel. By God, the Father who shall help thee, and by Almighty, he shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, the blessings of deep, thee with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie under, blessings of the breast of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of thy progenitors, unto the utmost of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. So they, they received, based on the scripture, they received more blessings. They had the, the, the more of the blessings than all the other tribes, according to the scripture. So anyway, it talks about a significant tribe or two tribes. And those tribes, when you, when you look at the characteristics, they match with the United States and, and the British uh, Commonwealth of Nations, despite what people think. Uh, org www.b, as in boy, org reveals this information. Now, the second subject is the Temple of God, which currently is, is, is the Temple Mount on Mount, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Now, this pivotal scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, Mount Moriah, or Moriah, uh, shall be established. In other words, the temple is going to be rebuilt in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And then there's another scripture that proves that this is going to occur that people don't seem to understand. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, and there was a given to me a reed like a, unto a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God and the altar. you got some preacher preaching that it's just going to be an altar. Well according to this scripture it says there's going to be a temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Okay? So a complete picture of the altar and the temple and people worshiping in it. That's what God's word says. Okay? Verse 2. But the court which is about the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot Forty-two months. Okay, so this is the start of the tribulation. That's what will occur. And for the tribulation to occur, as Matthew chapter 24 has stated here, verse 15, that there will be an abomination of desolation. And that's what is described in Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 to 2. Okay, uh, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place so even Yeshua is stating the fact that there will be a holy place or a temple structure built at that time so that's what you need to look for uh, first of all number one people understanding who the twelve tribes of Israel are number two that the temple of God will be rebuilt number three and this is significant and found in Acts 2, verse 17. Acts 2, verse 17. Acts 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, in the days before the coming of the Messiah, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So, And on my service and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days, in these days that we're living in today. And they shall prophesy or start preaching. All right? Number four, 
The fourth subject is perilous or dangerous times. It outlines the evil behaviors of mankind that are present in these dangerous times. This is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And I just read to you the characteristics off that article. And I'm going to read this in an easier version here so you'll understand here. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, in the contemporary English version of the Bible, you can be certain that in the last days there will be some very hard times. And we're going through hard times right now. First. Verse 2, people will love only themselves and money. And I see that. I see that. <laughs> uh, it's just sad. I mean, my own family. I see that. Uh, you know, family is supposed to care about one another, right, and and so forth. But just as Christ says, the love of many shall wax cold. And I see that. I see that because of Torahlessness or not wanting to obey the commandments. That's what's happening right now as I'm speaking. Verse 2. People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful and godless. Again, when you look at prophecy and you look at the end times, you have to look at the characteristics of people's behavior. God is going to judge us by behavior. And quite a few often or, or quite a few times in the in the prophecies, God is linking the prophecy to a behavior. He wants us to change uh, repent, teshuva in Hebrew. He wants us to change. And he wants us to change what? Our behavior toward one another. And this is a pivotal prophecy that's linked with the, the last days, the days of these 21st century, the days of the 21st century. And this is the characteristics of most people around the world here at this time. Uh, people will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful, godless, heartless, and hateful. Their words will be cruel, and they will have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything that is good. They will be sneaky, reckless, and puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. Verse 5, even though they will make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. And we're not supposed to have anything to do with people that act that way, folks. All right. The fifth subject is Jesus speaking to his servants. That's one of the signs of the end time, one of the characteristics of the last days. That's, this is found in Hebrews chapter 1. Let me start in verse 1. Long ago, in many ways and at many times, God's prophets spoke his message to our ancestors. Verse 2. But now at last, God sent his son to bring his message to us. Let me read this in the King James Version here. It says, Have in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he made the world. And how does he do that? He does that through the Holy Spirit. He does that through the Holy Spirit. The Christ lives in us. In Galatians 2, verse 20. He's supposed to, anyway. Galatians 2, verse 20. says, um, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is one of the characteristics of um, the last days. Is, is Christ speaking to his servants because many of them are scattered throughout the world. Uh, six, the sixth subject I've covered already, but uh, is economic inequality. It is about rich people in this world storing up wealth for the last days that their riches would be corrupted, that they would not pay fair wages. Now, this is found in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Starting in... Uh, Verses 1 to 3. Go to now, ye rich man, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Now, keep in mind that this, I state this, I try to state this all the time. In the first chapter of, of James, it states that this epistle is to the, 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 the tribes, the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And, it's, and this, this definitely is a prophecy 
for the United States and the British peoples and all the other tribes around the world. Let me turn uh, in the first chapter of James. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And many people say, well, they knew where they were. Well, that's, that's irrelevant. The fact that this is a prophecy uh, referring to the twelve tribes of Israel, which, of course, Judah, the tribe of Judah are the Jews, which are the nation of Israel, the little nation of Israel. That's just one of the tribes of Israel. It's referring to all the other ones. Now, Israel is not the richest um, tribe in the world, folks. All right, uh, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. So this epistle is for everyone, but particularly is for these twelve tribes. And a lot of this, and this is interesting, this, another, this is another proof that we are part of Israel. We are the stingiest nation on the planet, or one of the stingiest. All right, and this epistle addresses that. It addresses socioeconomics, which is the ability to, to have the stay of bread and and, and have uh, what you need to survive. James 5, verse 1. Go to now, you rich man. Weep and wow for your miseries that shall come upon you. Where are the rich in the world today, folks? Let's use our brains. Let's use our common sense. Rich people are located, the richest people in the world are located in the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations, folks. That's where the richest people in the world are located. All right? Go to now, you rich man. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Verse 2. I'm talking about a total of rich people. There's a few rich people and others scattered. Well, I'm talking about the majority of richness is found in the United States and British Commonwealth of Nations, folks. That, that is easily proved. Verse 2, your riches are corrupted and your garments are mouth-eaten. Verse 3, your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the what? The last days. The days before the coming of the Messiah. The seventh subject is people doubting that Jesus is coming back to rule this world. All right? Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter 3, starting in verse 1 to 4. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, there shall come in the last days or the days before the coming of the Messiah scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So that's a common element. And then I just want to quote this in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. So we're going to have a faith problem. People are not going to believe me and what I'm telling you that these are the end times. These are the last days. All right? And if we are still alive, when we see all these things, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared to survive all these things. And I know many of you listening to me are not prepared. So I'm going to tell you what you need to do to prepare for these things, folks. Okay? Because things are getting serious, and it's my job as a minister or tour teacher of God to tell you these things because I don't want your blood to be upon my head. And plus, I really care about everybody. I try to anyway. All right? So that's what we're supposed to do, love everyone. All right. So we need to, and he says right here, verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise, when you see all these things, what things? The things that he spoke about. 
know that it is near, even at the doors. Now, many people say the nation of Israel and all that. I understand that definitely has something to do with this verse. But also, he's he's really also referring to the analogy of uh, when you when you when, when a branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, even at the doors. The nation of Israel was created May 14, 1948. That was uh, fulfilling the prophecy of a nation being created in one day. So that is definitely a sign of the times. And then I also the United Nations, which has something to do with this beast. Uh, I think I'll talk about that next week, about the, what is the beast, because uh, many people don't understand what that is biblically, and uh, that's something I need to cover. But... Uh, uh, the United Nations was form, formed also at that time, created. And prior to that, I want to get back to helping you understand that the generation that he's referring to is the nuclear bomb generation. This generation, which is the nuclear bomb, bomb generation, shall not pass so all these things be fulfilled. Now, what is a generation according to the scriptures? If you look at Psalms, Psalms chapter um, 90, beginning in verse 10, it states, The days of our years are threescore years and ten. That's 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years or 80 years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So we have biblical proof of what, and in this context, Jesus is talking about the years of a man, the generation. So if we add uh, 70 years to 1945, which began... 1945 was a pivotal year in world history. We were able to actually destroy every man and woman and child off the earth at that time. We had that capability back in August of 1945. So we entered that stage where we can fulfill Matthew 24, verse 22, where there would no, no flesh be saved alive. In other translations, no human beings would be left alive. So if we add 70 years to 1945, we get 2015. If we add... 80 years to 1945 to get 2025. Some people like to start uh, when the nation of Israel is created. If you want to do that, uh, you add 70 years to 1948, you get 2018. You add 70 years to, um, I mean, 80 years to 1948, and you get 2028. So it appears, if we're understanding this correctly, based on the scriptures, that we don't have that much time left, folks. We don't, have, and it could happen sooner. I don't know. I don't know. No one knows the day or the hour. Not even Christ. Only the Father knows. So I'm not going to sit up here and tell you. But God wants us to be aware of the times, folks. He wants us to be aware of it. He wants us to be able to estimate or understand the times that we're living in. He doesn't want us to be completely dumb about what's going on. Uh, proof of that is Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Starting in verse 34, I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, in Luke 21, verse 34, it says, But keep watch on yourselves, or your hearts will become dull by carousing, carousing rather, drunkenness and worries. Let me read this in another version here. Uh, easier version to understand. Verse 34, in the, in the um, 1965 Bible and basic English version, Luke 21, verse 34, But give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine, like we are now in this country and around the world, and the cares of this life, that that day may come, on, that that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth. But keep watch at all times with prayer. So this is why you're alive. You better keep watch, that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and, and take your place before the Son of Man. 
so you you, you have to watch uh, and understand what's going on, folks. Um, and then First Thessalonians tells us this that we shouldn't be ignorant of the times that we're living in. First uh, Thessalonians five verse one. But about the times and their order, my brothers, there is no need for me to say anything to you, for you yourselves have the knowledge that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and no danger, then sudden destruction will come on them. As as they try to state, you know, things are peace and peaceful. There's no peace, and people are warring against each other in their families and around the world, and so forth. There's no peace. No, hardly anyone's keeping the, uh, the commandments of God like they should. There's, as I stated, very few people are. There is peace and no danger. Then sudden destruction will come. That's the reason why we have uh, wickedness in the world. That's why the Bible calls the world wicked and evil. When they say there is peace and no danger, then sudden destruction will come on them as birth pains on a woman or child, and they will not be able to get away from it. But you, my brothers, are not in the dark for that day, for that day to overtake you as a thief. Okay, so uh, he says, for you are all sons of light and of the day. We are not of the night or the dark. So then, let us not take our rest as the others do, but let us be self-controlled and awake. Verse 7, for those who are sleeping do so in the night, and those that are the, are the worst for drink are so in the night. Are so in the night. And those who are the worst for drink are so in the night. Verse 8, but let us who are of the day be serious, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and on our heads the hope of salvation. So anyway, he doesn't want us to be blinded. He wants us to be able to estimate. Uh, proof of that is in Daniel chapter 12, when he tells Daniel certain days to count. Okay, so we need to... To, to understand that he doesn't want us to be totally in the dark about what's going on. All right, so to, to summarize this, the characteristics of the last days involve all the 12 tribes of Israel, in particular understanding who they are and what their characteristics. Uh, Genesis chapter 49 and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 reveals those things to you. Um, and also Deuteronomy chapter 33. And also, please refer to your Davidi's website, www.britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M.org, to understand that in detail. Um, the temple of God must be built, folks, for things to wind down. The Holy Spirit is, is significant. It's going to be poured out on those who repent and change. And, and uh, I have a whole series on, on the major doctrines of God. Uh, the first doctrine is repentance of dead works. The second doctrine is uh, having trust in God. The third doctrine is the um, doctrine of washings, or incorrectly translated baptism. Uh, the fourth doctrine is the laying on of hands, which symbolizes uh, the authority of ministers to to preach and to teach, and also symbolizes uh, the ability of uh, people, any believer, to lay their hands uh, any uh, on someone and, and ask them to, to be healed. Um, the male leaders of, of a church are the elders. Um, it also uh, symbolizes um, laying on of hands to tell or ask God to bless someone with a specific task or just to bless someone as well. So that's what the laying on of hands represents. Um, also, the resurrection of the dead. That's another major doctrine of God, which a lot of people don't understand. And then the uh, eternal judgment, which a lot of people don't understand that one. So those are all the major doctrines of God, folks, that we need to understand and we need to adhere to. Again, the uh, repentance of dead works, that's the first one. The second one is trusting God. The third one is uh, um, the uh, washings, the doctrine of washings. The fourth one is laying on of hands. 
The fifth one was the resurrection of the dead. And the sixth is the eternal judgment, understanding eternal judgment. This is all found uh, in Hebrews chapter 6. All right, so to summarize the characteristics of the last days, and I did a Bible study in each of those uh, doctrines, by the way. You can listen in the archives. Auditor, and that's another way you can prepare it. Repent, and uh, if you guys want to be immersed, I can show you how you can do that. All right? All the 12 tribes of Israel, the temple of God, must be built the Holy Spirit. We're living in perilous and dangerous times. Jesus actually speaking to you through the Holy Spirit in you. It's the Spirit of Christ. Economic inequality and people doubting that Christ will come back to earth. Those are all the key characteristics of the last days, folks. Those are all the key characteristics of the last days. And we, um, it appears we may have 2018 May, I'm underscoring May, to 2028, uh, 2015 to 2025, if we start uh, from the creation and the use of the atomic of the nuclear bomb on Hiroshima in August of 1945. So, you know, we need to understand these things, and I think I'm going to go over um, um, the um, major events that have occurred uh, real quickly here. I remember when uh, you can Google the 777 and Dow Jones Industrial. I'll do that right now. Um, 777. Yeah, um, the Dow Jones Industrial, and this is right, was right before the Festival of Tabernacles, um, the Festival of Trumpets, which represents a time of war, one of God's holy days. And God's holy days really help you to understand prophecy as well, folks. That's why many people don't understand prophecies, because they're not keeping the holy days of God. So uh, the Dow Jones, uh, it, uh, it had a 777. <laughs> and this is interesting, folks, because... This happened right around the festival of trumpets, or Sukkot, not Sukkot, but uh, Yom Teror, and things have not been economically okay around the world ever since. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 77.68 as of September 29, 2008. This is the biggest single-day point loss ever in the history of the Dow Jones. Now, what is significant about this is the number 777. In, in the book of Revelation, the judgments of God consist of seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven plagues. Also, again, as I stated before, the biggest point drop in the history of, of Wall Street happened right before the Feast of Trumpets, which is one of God's holy days described in Leviticus chapter 23. The Festival of Trumpets pictures a time of judgment leading to the return of Jesus Christ. For those who have eyes to see and, and eyes to hear, God is warning the world that since September 29, 2008, that these judgments are really in the process of starting to to uh, be initiated, folks. Uh, you know, the first seal represents worldwide deception by a new world order government. The second seal represents war. And this is uh, all the seals uh, in Revelation chapter 6. The third seal represents economic instability. The fourth seal represents billions of people dying because of deception, war, economic instability, and diseases. The fifth seal represents the Great Tribulation period, or it represents what will happen during the Tribulation. And the sixth seal represents the start of the day of the Lord. 
um, well, actually, no, the sixth seal represents a time period uh, that is just total chaos. It does state here uh, the time of, of, of the time of him coming has begun. So the process of him coming back and landing his feet on the Mount of Olives has started, and that's what that sixth seal is representing there. So I'm going to stop here at this point, and I'm going to talk next week about the beast, who the beast is, and, oh, one more thing I need to talk about. How do how do we prepare, folks? How do we prepare uh, for these times? All right, well, number one, what you need to do is listen to this program and listen to other tour teachers that know what they're talking about. And you need to get out of your mind that we, we shouldn't keep the law. I mean, that's a big lie. Um, the reason why we don't have peace is because many of us aren't keeping the law of God. And uh, I've just read to you what occurs because of not keeping the law. We have all this wickedness in all parts of this country and around the world. That's proof that we need to keep God's law. And if you really understand God's law, they're not as confusing as these all these man-made laws that we have. Um, there's so many of them. And we can't possibly follow all of them. God's law is not like that. It's not grievous. It's not grievous at all. And many people think it is. Uh, 1 John First John chapter 5, verse 3 uh, states uh, in verse 2, But we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. So if you love God, you keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. So, and many people think they are, and they're not. They think that, you know, they're so grievous they need to be nailed to the cross, and that's not the case. So, you, you first of all, you, you must repent of your wickedness. We all got wickedness. Uh, Yeshua stated that we must repent. We must do teshuva. That's what it means in Hebrew. Repent. Change our behavior. And stop thinking we know everything. And you must also, and this is a key too, and this is a problem that a lot of people have. Um, Matthew 18, verse one Matthew 18, verse 1. At the same time came the disciples and Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 2. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as his little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. All right, so... The reason why he's telling that we need to humble because a lot of us have been born, as I revealed to you in Jeremiah chapter 16, and we have inherited lies from our Father. All of us have. And so we need to humble ourselves and realize that we need to be re-educated about what life is all about because we have all been taught that uh, life is about working, coming home, uh, getting a house, living the American dream. Uh, that's not what life's about, folks. We've been taught the wrong way. We need to be re-educated because the whole world's been deceived. So we have to humble ourselves, and you you must learn the basic doctrines of God. I've 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 given. I told you what they are again: repentance of dead works, trust in God, uh, the doctrine of washings. Uh, four, the laying on of hands. Five, the resurrection of the dead. Six, eternal judgment. You must learn those basic doctrines. I have given under the uh, the tutelage of God himself. He's given me this wisdom to help you to understand those doctrines. Please study those doctrines, those teachings. 
It will give you the foundational knowledge to understand what I'm talking about and to understand what other Torah teachers are talking about, true ones anyway. All right, so you must repent, and you must be willing after that to become baptized. And I can, I can, if you listen to that um, Doctrine of Washington's Bible study that I have in the archives, it'll teach you how to do that. All right, um, and and you must learn how to, you must keep the commandments, and, and then once once you repent uh, and be baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit, and, and you'll start to get the help that you need to keep the commandments. But you must show fruits worthy of repentance. You must show and do the best you can, like Cornelius did in Acts chapter 10, to keep the commandments. And it can be done, folks. You must start caring about other people. You must start giving and sharing whatever you have. Uh, as I've stated, um, you know, I don't go around and ask people for contributions, but uh, you should share what you have with your teacher. And uh, if you want to do that, go to Tithes and Offerings uh, on my website, MercifulServantsOfGod.com. Click on that. Scroll down to the bottom, and uh, you can do it either through PayPal. If you want to mail me or check a money order, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, mail it to the address that's at the bottom of the article, uh, the Tithes and Offerings. So you go to the menu bar, MercifulServantsOfGod.com. Click on Tithes and Offerings and scroll. I have to revise that article a little bit. But at the bottom, but the main subject or the main uh, theme is there and you go and you, you scroll down to the bottom of that and uh, go ahead and click the PayPal button or you can mail a check and money order now keep in mind I'm not a 501c3 organization so um, if you're looking to get a tax uh, form to say that uh, whatever you give me is tax deductible then don't give it to me then because I, I don't uh, I don't I don't do that I'm not a part of the 501c3 government thing to to encourage um, ministries to uh, influence their members to give because they're going to get something back. You should always give and not expect anything back. That's the Christian way, and that's the way I'm going to teach it. And again, I'm not a 501c3 organization. And if you give, realize that um, uh, I'm not uh, advocating that oh, it's tax deductible and so forth. You know, I'm, I'm not doing that because I'm not a 501c3 organization. So when you give, um, whenever you give, you shouldn't expect it to come back to you. And you shouldn't just give just because you're going to get a tax deduction. Anyway, um, what was I going to say here? All right, so you prepare. You have to change your life, change change the way you live. We all got something wrong with us, folks. That's what he told repent to everyone, to all of mankind. Repent. Repent. Change. For the kingdom of God is coming. Okay. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that if you uh, repent and show fruits worthy of repentance and, and receive the Holy Spirit, that you will be able to enter the kingdom of God uh, if you obey the commandments. That's the good news. Um, you need to be aware of what's going on in the world by listening to this program or paying attention to the world events yourself. Uh, these are the following are recommended videos and resources to look at to be familiar with, to understand what's going on. Really, you're not going to get this information from CNN and the major networks that are controlled by the by the elite of the world. Uh, Invisible Empire. Google that. Invisible Empire is a video to help you understand the beast that's rising before our eyes, the New World Order. Invisible Empire. You can look that. You can, this is a free video, and you can look online. Invisible Empire. Google that. 
Invisible Empire on uh, YouTube. American Freedom to Fascism. You could put this in Google uh, video and it should pop up. American Freedom to Fascism that explains the the Internal Revenue Service, how it was created, and so forth. Now, I'm not encouraging I'm not encouraging you not to pay your taxes, but you need to be aware of why it was created and 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 what it has done to Americans. Um, Britam.org, B-R-I-T-A-M.org. You should educate yourself and understand that America and Britain has a lot to do with the 12 tribes of Israel, folks, despite what people are preaching. Uh, www.iousathemovie.com. www.iousathemovie.com. Please educate yourself on this, uh, the economic situation that we're living in right now. And I think this website, I think it's the truth in 2012. Let me see. Let me look it up here. The truth and 2012.org. Nope. Uh, let's see the truth. Look at how they didn't take the website down. Truth. Yeah, it looks like they may have. Okay, uh, it's, yeah, the truth in 2008.org. Uh, and this website is interesting because <laughs> it says you know, we're $75 trillion in debt right now. And this is, of course, if you include uh, all the. Uh, Entitlement programs like uh, public aid and so forth, uh, financial aid loans and so forth. We're seventy-five. Actually, says we're seventy-five trillion nine hundred sixty-eight billion seven hundred seventy million uh, in debt right now. And our each each share, each American share is two hundred forty-seven thousand of our debt. And see, it says our official national debt is 15 trillion. It's really 75 trillion dollars, folks. And, and we're in trouble. I mean, we are really in trouble, folks. And the media and no presidential candidate has ever told you the truth about that. I don't, I don't even know if they are aware of it. Um, also, Google this: the Money Masters, how international bankers gain control over America. Uh, you're not going to learn this in school, folks. This is knowledge that I'm giving you that you are just not going to get anywhere else. All right, so I, I really implore you to, to look at this stuff. And then Gerald Salente, G-E-R-A-L-D, Salente, C-E-L-E-N-T-E. Uh, if you go and Google him, his YouTube channel, he tells you the truth in most cases about what's going on in the economy uh, in America and around the world. You need to listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. Infowars.com, Infowars.com. Please educate yourself about what's going on first, folks, okay? Now, you also need to get you an emergency. You need to get some emergency food immediately if you can. Go to efoodsdirect.com, E as an elephant, foodsdirect.com. You need to prepare just like Noah did, folks. Let's turn. He says as in the days of Noah, all right? And let me turn to Hebrews chapter 11 for proof of this. Now, he said, uh, should there be faith upon it? For faith has action involved in it, folks, as James chapter 2 states. 
uh, Hebrews 11, verse 7. And remember, Christ said that these days are like the days of Noah, so we need to follow Noah's example. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So we must build our, quote, ark, end of quote, ark right now. And we're going to build our ark uh, by getting enough emergency food um, to last at least a year. And if some of you folks can get emergency food to last three years, you should, three and a half years. That's the, that's the tribulation period. But go to efoodsdirect.com. God is going to have to help you anyway, and he has promised to protect those um, that will um, obey him. He's going to uh, protect. We have to be worthy, though. So, and one of the ways of being worthy is, is obeying him. So, uh, Proverbs 22, verse 3. Proverbs 22, verse 3. It says, A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to meet a foolish folks. So, listen to what I'm telling you. These are the end times. Don't let anyone tell you that these are not the end times. These are, these are the end times, folks. We are not, I mean... <laughs> This nation is 75. Do you realize how much money that is? $75 trillion in debt. There's no way on earth we're going to be able to pay all of that. So we, we are really in a bad situation, not only economically, but socially and spiritually. And uh, Psalm 91, you need to meditate on that. Stay close to God. Um, one last scripture I'm going to read to you before I leave here. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries without, she uttered her voice in the streets. Verse 21, she cried in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city she uttered her words. Verse 22, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? When you hate knowledge, God calls you a fool. Verse 22, turn you at my reproof. Repent, do do to shuva, change your, your person, change your behavior. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. So you're not going to receive God's Holy Spirit if you're not willing to be corrected. If you're not willing, if you think you know it all and you know all you need to know and you're perfect and you can't do anything wrong, then God is not going to give you the Holy Spirit, folks. And you're not going to understand the Bible. You're not going to understand what I'm telling you. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Verse 24, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regardeth. Verse 25. But you have said it not all my counsel, and would not none of my reproof. Would none of my reproof. You, you don't want to be corrected. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. So you, don't, you don't want that to happen. You don't want God to laugh at your problems because you don't want to obey him. Verse 27. When your fear comes as a desolation, it's going to come, folks, and your destruction come as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come up upon you, then they shall call me. That's the way we are. When we see a hurricane, when we see a tornado, then we come to God. Oh, where's God? You know, where's God? Oh, you know, that's when we take God seriously. And, that, and that's not the way we should be. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. But for, they, for, they that, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You can't be that. You can't hate knowledge and not choose to fear the Lord. Verse 30. They were none of my counsel. They despise all my correction, which the whole Bible is about, folks. is about correcting. Verse 31. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkeneth unto me 
shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. That's a promise, folks, if you really hearken to him. You have to diligently hearken to him. And then Revelation, here's the good news for those many that aren't are following the way of destruction. There's hope for them. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, it talks about uh, verse 13 here. And one of the elders answered, saying to them, What are these which are written in white robes, and whence they came? And I said unto them, in verse 14 of Revelation chapter 7, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. They're going to come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are before the throne of God and shall serve him day and night in his temple. And his temple well, is going to be in heaven, obviously. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them and shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more, neither shall the, the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into the living waters, living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And we look at Revelation chapter 20. Uh, God the Father is not going to land his feet on the earth until after the thousand years. Okay, so if we're going to be serving God and the Lamb, obviously we're going to be allowed to, to visit the Father in heaven and then go back down to earth. That's not a Bible study and rule the earth. But we'll also be visiting our Father in heaven, but that's not a Bible study in itself. Anyway, I'm going to talk about the beast power next week, what scriptures reveal the beast power, what appears to be uh, the, the beginnings or genesis of the beast as I'm speaking. And so forth. So until next week, uh, may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available for you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.